Hello and welcome to the UFO Thinker podcast. My name's Frank and let's get cracking. And today I'm going to be talking a lot about the hearing which took place uh, very recently. So it was actually uh, about four or five days ago now. It was actually streamed live on YouTube on the 19th of April 2023, of course. But just always like to add that in in case there's anybody listening in the future so that you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, obviously by this point, we're all aware, I think if you're interested in this topic, that there was a hearing once again, uh, following on from the the previous hearing, um, which which took place quite some time ago, actually. And it doesn't seem like that long, but it actually has been quite some time. So the previous hearing was actually the House Intelligence Committee's Subcommittee on Counterterrorism, Counterintelligence and Counterproliferation. Bit of a tongue twister there. Uh, And that was a public hearing on May the 17th, uh, 2022. So I suppose it's been sort of almost a year now, really, which is pretty crazy to think that that time has flown by so quick. Uh, But there we go. And that particular hearing was actually followed by a closed classified hearing. And um, it was actually headed up by uh, two witnesses, the Undersecretary of Defence for Intelligence and Security, Ronald S. Moultrie, and Deputy Director of Naval Intelligence, Scott Bray. Obviously, I'm not going to talk too much about that hearing because it happened a year ago. uh, But this is... The kind of follow-up hearing, I suppose you could say, even though it has been quite some time. And uh, that's the follow-up hearing is the one, obviously, that I'm going to be talking about um, today. So it was Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick this time, uh, the director of the DOD's All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, Arrow. Uh, and uh, Sean Kirkpatrick testified at this special hearing uh, before the Senate Armed Services Committee's Uh, subcommittee on emerging threats and capabilities so apparently this time there was a closed hearing dealing with the most sensitive classified data and whatnot prior to the public one and then the main public hearing actually began so senator gillibrand gave an introductory statement which is uh, uh, my old pal dave said to me was probably the best bit of information out of the whole thing so uh, don't have your hopes up too high for this one if you're expecting me to say that they flung open the hangar doors and wheeled out a few greys and a bit of a saucer well you better think again because that definitely wasn't the way that it played out but once uh, senator gillibrand's opening remarks were done it was basically time to hand over to kirkpatrick to deliver his presentation so as i say Prepare to be disappointed if you're expecting big things. I'm, I'm sure if you're interested in this topic, you probably would have already sort of seen how this has played out and the reaction to it on social media and whatnot. Um, as, as you probably know, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a little while now, I do like to consider these things, allow the dust to settle, you know, see a bit of what the fallout is before commenting uh, in too much detail. So I've allowed four or five days um, just to kind of take it in and have a think about it and uh, obviously 
as always, you know, I, I'm not kind of an expert in any of these kinds of things by any stretch. I'm just somebody who's interested in this and I'll offer my thoughts and, you know, you as the listener can contrast that with your own thoughts and uh, you know, always always let me know what you think as well, you know, if you, if you agree or if you disagree because it's always interesting to have discussion around these types of things. All helps us to get to Carthage, as Dave would say <laughs> once again. Um, all, all helps to, to, you know, advance the topic and get conversation going going it, it can't be a bad thing so Kirkpatrick says that Arrow is tracking approximately 650 cases involving UAP uh, collected primarily from US government sources and that in addition to a quarterly report that's about to be delivered to Congress in the in the days ahead the next annual report is expected also to be delivered as early as June or July a quote from Kirkpatrick is to say, quote, I want to underscore today that only a very small percentage of UAP reports display signatures that could reasonably be described as anomalous. Now, that could be interpreted in a few different ways, you know, but think of it this way. Well, this is the way I think of it, at least, probably a better way to put it. We know that many many ufo uap reports are misidentifications sensor errors etc kirkpatrick here is basically just saying that you know it's, it's not new if you, if you look at databases like mufon you know our friends in the uk ufo identified a very tiny percentage of reports turn out to be legit unknowns now that percentage is probably a bit higher with military witnesses because we're talking about trained observers and very capable sensor systems etc so all, all i really took from that statement that i quoted there you know is that there's a small percentage that are legit but this small percentage are indeed legit anomalous cases you know it's quite interesting if you look at it like that and i think it's quite interestingly worded a lot of these kind of statements if you think about it I want to underscore today that only a very small percentage of UAP reports displacing blah, blah, blah. Let's just take out the only, okay? I want to underscore today that a very small percentage of UAP reports display signatures that could reasonably be described as anomalous. So what we're saying is there are some extremely intriguing cases that display signatures that reasonably could be described as anomalous. <laughs> so it's funny, isn't it? I'll just one word can completely change the way that a sentence can be that the, can come across but anyway nonetheless um I, I thought that was an interesting bit to mention and also as well uh, the other thing about these particular cases uh, that have been collected primarily from u.s government sources and whatnot is that none of these have actually come from the air force so there's a bit of a point to be made there as well. And uh, a few people had messaged me about this as well. I think Chris Leto's done a video, which I've not had a chance to watch yet, but uh, I'm sure it'd be very good knowing what Chris is, is generally uh, uh, up to with his, with his uh, analysis. And uh, I know Chris sometimes listens to the podcast. So if you're listening, Chris, hello, hope you're doing well, mate. And uh, yeah, so that's definitely worth checking out. And interesting to note there that the data that's coming into Arrow apparently... There's not a great deal coming from the Air Force. So I don't know if anything's been improved in that regard, but it certainly doesn't seem that way from what was being said uh, in this hearing by Kirkpatrick. Now, Kirkpatrick had a subtly brilliant 
suit and pocket square and tie combination. Now, I appreciate that kind of thing, and I have to say, very, very nice. Um, however, <laughs> that's about where my praise is going to end, unfortunately. I have to say, uh, I, I just think it's it's just simply not good enough to come out with non-committal answers, generalisations, complaints about not enough high-quality data, etc., when we all know full well that this data, you know, exists. Well, the fact is, you know, as we'll, as we'll come to later, has Arrow actually got the relevant access privileges to get to this data? And if not, why not? I mean, it may be down to the, you know, bureaucracy, the complex systems and so on and so on. But at the end of the day, that, that kind of thing is just getting a bit old. The public want answers. You know, the American public are basically the ones footing the bill for this investigative effort, of course. And the American public have got a genuine interest in this topic and the, the public around the world have as well. You know, why wouldn't they? It, it literally is the, the biggest question ever asked. Are we alone in the universe? And and the suspicion that the US government has got some pretty compelling evidence to suggest that we may have an answer to that question. And, um, you know, at the end of the day, this investigation into anomalous objects and, and, and what is known you know, about that, you know, it, it's not good enough to not have any kind of answers and to sit on the fence so much at this po at this point in time. And it is, I can completely understand the frustrations. I feel the same frustrations that you get a hearing like this and nothing really happens. Having said that, it's not entirely unexpected. I mean, I didn't really have my hopes up for this hearing and I'm not exactly like deflated or disappointed because I wasn't really expecting anything particularly to come out of it. Having said that, it is still disappointing, you know, to 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 accept that that's the, that's the reality of this. But the thing is, is that I think this will open people's eyes a little bit because I think there's been a little bit of slightly over-optimistic thoughts around Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, as though he's some kind of insider who's on the side of transparency and he's like one of us and all the rest of it. And I'm not so sure. I certainly didn't get that impression from this hearing. And, you know long-term listeners may remember you know when Sean Kirkpatrick was first announced as the the director of Arrow Lou Elizondo was actually asked about that and he, he sort of pulled a face and said well we'll see how that goes then you know there's not really been many indications from the people who have proved themselves with the track records and whatnot from the inside um, who, who've been on the, on the other side of the, the curtain of secrecy, if you will, around this topic and headed up some of the, the government's UFO investigation programs and whatnot, they haven't been particularly optimistic about Kirkpatrick. So I'm not really sure why there has been that optimism around Kirkpatrick. And I think perhaps the, the performance at this hearing will, will perhaps you know set the record straight in that regard a little bit. Something that myself and I know Dave's been kind of banging this drum as well for, for quite some time is that, you know, let's see what he actually comes up with before we all get really positive and, and, and happy about Sean Kirkpatrick being the, the director of Arrow. So just wanted to make that little point. Now, another interesting point that came out of it all was about people coming forward. Now, we've spoken on the podcast with various guests and people I speak to on the pod about, about the different ways that people could actually come forward to Arrow. So I remember 
when the the last hearing and over the last year really talking about the three points the three ways that people could come forward to arrow now number one was the citing reports as they happen so obviously arrow is collecting reports current reports from military personnel intelligence community personnel and so on uh, if somebody sees an object they're being encouraged to report it to arrow in fact they have to report it to arrow so that's the first type you know you witness something unusual and you report it to arrow the second one is citing reports from decades ago people who have, have seen things and, and have you know, held on to that information, perhaps they've gone public, perhaps they've not. And that kind of thing is another way that people could come forward to Arrow to share details of their sightings, of their experiences, things that they have witnessed. So that's the second one. And the third one is whistleblowers through the secure system um, that Arrow is required to set up um, from the requirements of the legislation. And this is people who have you know, much speculation about whistleblowers and things like that coming through this secure system with direct knowledge of legacy UFO programs, crash retrieval, reverse engineering programs. And you know that essentially is the absolute, the pinnacle. That's what we everybody really wants to see. That's the thing that would kind of blow everything wide open and so on. And what we've learned here is that this secure system is just not set up you know all of the, the i think it was 20 odd if i'm not mistaken and um, but anyway plenty of people have, have actually supposedly spoken to our role um but they weren't through the secure system again something we've spoke about in the podcast quite a bit is bob salas who, who witnessed a, a glowing object uh, over um, a, a, a base malmstrom air force base where there was minuteman nuclear missiles being uh, being housed and the, the missiles were all shut down by this object in 1967 and bob salas has spoken on twitter about how he's been testified to arrow and given his version of events and so on and received a, a, a quite a nice letter from arrow about all of that and that's the kind of thing i'm talking about there with that point number two but that's very different to somebody who's using the secure system that's been set up to provide direct knowledge of you know these kind of legacy crash retrieval programs that, that have long been alleged to be operating outside of congressional oversight and you know potentially illegally and you know at the end of the day it's great that that folks are able to come forward to arrow but as we've said before it all, all comes down to what are arrow actually going to do with that info the fact is Sadly, there's not really a lot they can do except say, oh, thanks, we'll make a note of it, great, you know. But, and I did say this about Bob Sowers, it's great that he's got the vindication of being able to come forward to Arrow to provide information and, you know, put his story on, on record officially and things. That's great, I'm, and I'm very happy for Bob and, um, you know, the various other people who've been able to do that. But what are Arrow actually going to do with that information? that's the bit that that remains to be seen and and i don't think there's a lot they can do with a story from so many decades ago which is basically just um you know what what kirkpatrick would describe as uh you know a, like a single person's account um you know a, a single data point the secure system i think is where the really big stuff is, is going to potentially come through um so we'll see how that all unfolds as time goes along
So another quote from Kirkpatrick. Quote, we cannot answer decades of questions about UAP all at once, but we must begin somewhere. While I assure you that Arrow will follow scientific evidence wherever it leads, I ask for your patience as DOD first prioritises the safety and security of our military personnel and installations in all domains. Unquote. So that does suggest a commitment to transparency and, and you know, following the data wherever it leads, I suppose, is, is, you know, that's what we want to hear. But there's not a great deal of actual indications that they are going to do that. So, again, it's going to remain to be seen. But it goes on to say, quote, Arrow has found no credible evidence thus far of extraterrestrial activity, off-world technology, or objects that defy the known laws of physics, unquote. Now, the thing is, that's eerily reminiscent of the, the NASA study that was announced a little while ago. You know, the thing of um, before the studies even began, you know, we're, we're willing to follow the data wherever it leads, everybody. We've got this. Don't worry. We're going to be transparent. We're going to follow the data. But we've just to let you know, we've got absolutely no evidence that it's anything to do with anything off-world. It's like, well, okay. It just seems a bit strange to to supposedly be announcing this completely open-minded investigation, but also at the same time trying to rule out certain um, conclusions of that investigation before the investigation has really even begun. And I do think there's a bit of that going on there as well. And it's all, this is what I was talking about a minute ago. It's all very well committing to transparency and committing to follow the data wherever it leads. But why would you then throw in this thing of we found no evidence that is this is you know i remember saying on the podcast a little while ago you know there's no evidence that ufo's originate from underneath frank's bed in my bedroom at home but there's no need to state that at the beginning of the investigation to look into it is there unless you wanted to really make the point that they're probably not coming from under frank's bed you know what i mean so yeah it's just a little bit sort of you know concerning i suppose but again Let's see how everything pans out. This is it's still the very early stages. Now, the thing is, though, as well, when you look at cases like the Tic Tac from the Nimitz incident from 2004, that particular statement that I was just saying might seem a little bit of more of an odd statement than perhaps, you know, if you weren't aware of the Nimitz incident, for example. Because, you know, it, it, it's not clear, though, to be fair, that even with that case, there is credible evidence that the object was an off-world vehicle or anything in particular. You know, even perhaps within the classified data, which we know exists, um, you know, but is not available to the public, perhaps even with the classified data, the only thing that you can say for certain is that the object was a total unknown. It goes back to the the phrase that I, I mentioned earlier on, the, the quote where, you know, what was it again um a, a very small percentage of uap reports display signatures that could reasonably described as anomalous well that's one of them isn't it i mean the things that the tic tac was doing the amount of witnesses to that case and whatnot that has to be one of those few cases where you can look at the, the evidence and you can you can quite reasonably say that something was truly anomalous there and i think when you consider that quote and when you consider the quote that I've just read out a minute ago, I think that that's safe to say. But 
there's a difference between saying that we have reasonable, credible evidence to point towards something being anomalous or reasonable, credible evidence to point towards something being an off-world vehicle. So I'm trying to read between the lines here of what was actually said. And I think there is definitely going to be that evidence that something's anomalous. But what what are the standards that you would look for to say that something is definitely off-world? And do Arrow actually have access to that? I, I don't think they do. I mean, if these legacy programs exist and there's crashed sources or intact sources, maybe even bodies, as we keep hearing about, of, of, of alien beings and, and you know non-human vehicles and things like that, it's pretty sure that Arrow have got nowhere near that. So Arrow you know, aren't going to admit something that they've not even got access to. But I think what Arrow, reading between the lines of what's being said, bearing in mind it would be very carefully worded as to, you know, uh, prevent any kind of, you know, giving fuel to the fire in terms of sensationalist headlines and whatnot. Um, but if you read between the lines of what's being said there, I would suggest that they have pretty compelling evidence of anomalous objects. So anyway, that's just my interpretation of it. But I think... You know, that, that's what the Nimitz would fall into. It'd fall into that category of unknown, truly anomalous. As we know, the best kind of efforts of debunkers have, have fallen flat when it comes to trying to explain what that is, and that's only with the data that's publicly available. Um, and you do have to just think, what would it take for Arrow to say that they have credible evidence that an object was an ET vehicle? I mean, they would have to literally sort of like walk up and Kirkpatrick takes a selfie with a saucer or something, you know. And even the Tic Tac Nimitz case, which is like the best, the gold standard, as I say, of, of UFO cases, even that isn't going to be the Sean Kirkpatrick selfie with a saucer, is it? So you'd have to have something quite special to reach that conclusion. So it's one of those statements that's a bit of an odd one. Now, it's also worth remembering that it, it is highly unlikely that Arrow have access to the full extent of what is actually suspected to be held by the US government, as I was saying a minute ago. And I think there's a couple of uh, interesting quotes from Chris Mellon from, from some tweets, and these are the kinds of things that I like to take in when it comes to these sort of events, you know, hearings or any, any kind of big news stories on UFOs, is seeing what the various characters who we know have had very high level access during their, you know, careers on the on the inside, as it were. How do they react to it? And then you can sort of, you know, it helps to build up a picture of what's really going on. So a tweet, a tweet here from Chris Mellon. Quote: Thousands of U.S. citizens have reported seeing UAP, sometimes traveling at super hypersonic speeds. Does the government have satellite or other imagery of unknown craft traveling at such speeds? This can be answered truthfully without risk to sources and methods, unquote. Now, that would strongly suggest, again, that Chris Mellon is aware that data exists within the government military intelligence community that, that, that clearly points towards unambiguous evidence of objects doing things that humans are not capable of doing now i've i've kind of banged on and on about this so i'm not going to repeat it too much but it's pretty clear that chris mellon had been personally aware of this data through his career in my opinion and he's been hinting at this very heavily now for a long time and it's just about asking the right questions to be able to actually 
get somebody to make that admission. And, and I tend to think that if we're talking about disclosure and things like that, you know, any kind of disclosure that we are going to get is going to be probably that, you know, an admission that we have objects caught on sensor systems doing things that humans can't do. That would be the first thing. You would you would stop at sort of making any any you know predictions about where those objects are from or anything like that. That's probably going to be the first one. And uh, as as many of of you listeners will will probably remember when there was the Enquire Anomalous event. Um, it would have been when was it now? Last year, it's, it's some time ago, about six months ago. Um, the Enquire Anomalous New York event. I actually had a question asked to Chris Mellon. Um, about exactly this and uh, my question was something i forget the word, exact wording but it was something along the lines of um were you personally aware of of a case caught on a sensor system that displayed you know anomalous objects in in space or underwater and things like that and um from from chris mowen's answer I, I, it only reinforced my kind of suspicion that yes indeed chris uh, christopher mellon is aware of of cases like that and they do exist now the question is have arrow had access to the areas where this data actually exists and the answer is almost certainly no well will they get access to this we don't know at, at this stage but you know if if that wasn't enough to suggest all of, the, all of what i've just been talking about from that from that first tweet of uh, of melons there a follow-up tweet also laid it out pretty clear as day quote for reasons too complex to explain here i also believe our government has pertinent data that has yet to see the light of day unquote so obviously if this data exists which i suspect that it does it's not going to be freely accessible to anyone it's not going to be hanging around on a hard drive you know if the things that we suspect are being hidden and you know it's the greatest secret ever kept. It's not the kind of secret that you just keep hidden half-heartedly. You lock it up super, super tight and with a very tiny amount of people allowed access. It's highly likely, in my opinion, that Arrow have not got access to this data and will have to work pretty hard to get access to it. Now, Tim McMillan also tweeted about uh, something quite pertinent to this. And before I read this out, um, I rewatched an old Lou Elizondo interview the other day, and Lou had some very good things to say about Tim McMillan. He described him as solid and tenacious as hell, and exactly the kind of guy you want in front of a jury presenting a case. He's fantastic. So, high praise indeed, you know, and this is from Lou Elizondo, somebody who actually, you know, worked for basically the US government investigating UFOs was the director of uh, the ATIP you know the the UFO investigation effort and you know somebody who has got a very very good track record and if he vouches for somebody generally worth bearing that in mind now I'd say the other thing about Tim McMillan is that he's got a very good track record himself of um, bringing forward very good commentary on the UFO topic and that kind of thing don't agree with everything that he says, like anybody else, but uh, I think generally a good source of information with his debrief uh, website, uh, which has got a lot of interesting articles about science, technology, and UFOs. Now, Tim said, 
Quote, one of the most significant but undiscussed things that came up on today's UAP hearing was the revelation that Arrow doesn't have Title 50 authority. What this means is that Arrow has limited access to Title 50 information, which includes covert action and most intelligence missions carried out by agencies like the CIA, NRO, NGA or NSA. By saying... It would be nice to have Title 50 authority. Kirkpatrick was taking a huge shot across the bow at Title 50 agencies that likely haven't been playing ball with Arrow. In essence, Arrow may only have access to 20% of the US's full collection potential. I debated not even sharing this because I've somewhat I've become somewhat of a UAP nihilist, preferring to silently watch the talking heads lament and look silly. One of the reasons that Lou Elizondo was likely asked to carry on the ATIP portfolio from the DIA is because his position at OUSDI would have given him both Title 50 and Title 10 authority, unquote. So that's quite a long tweet, that, but very, very interesting to know how just how little Arrow have actually had access to in terms of the really good data and obviously the kinds of things that Chris Mellon was talking about that he is personally aware of or was personally aware of and has been you know perhaps aware of not personally as well but the other things that it may have been on the periphery um, during his time it's very unlikely that Arrow have been able to see any of that stuff so when we hear about things like uh, Kirkpatrick saying we've not seen this we've not seen that bearing in mind you know, they're not going to have seen credible evidence if they're only looking at a tiny slice of the pie. And the evidence that they actually do have, I would say, is pretty compelling. That's assuming they've got access to the full data around the Nimitz event, which I think is safe to say that they probably have. So just following on from that as well, somebody on Twitter, uh, Lucy Bell, shout out Lucy Bell, asked a follow-up question as well to Tim. Quote, does this include no access to some sensor data? Unquote. To which Tim responded, quote, yes, this could mean no access to the most sophisticated and sensitive sensor packages that are strictly used for intelligence missions or covert action, unquote. Now, obviously, that's just kind of backing up the point there and adding a little bit more detail and, and clarifying in, in sort of layman's terms that Arrow just haven't had access to a lot of the good stuff. And are they going to get? I've not got a crystal ball, unfortunately, but I would hope that they do. And I would hope that they're able to, to be a little bit more forthcoming with information. Uh, and I would hope that other branches of the military and uh, uh, the intelligence community and whatnot are actually more forthcoming to Arrow as well. You know, perhaps, you know, when you hear that the, the Air Force haven't been supplying data to Arrow, apparently a lot of other people aren't either. You know, people aren't playing ball with Arrow at the moment. So we shall see if that improves as time goes along. One of the things that, that we've all been quite hopeful about is the, the increased kind of heft of Arrow uh, with the new legislation that, that, that have uh, gone through in the NDAA. And what I've been discussing, a lot of other people have been discussing, is kind of the increased powers that have been granted to Arrow to be able to actually hold non-cooperative areas of, of the military government and so on to account and so far it doesn't look like people are playing ball so we'll have to see how that progresses and interesting to find this kind of thing out as well though because i think that's really the 
I mean, was there any big reveals, anything super interesting in this hearing? No, not really. But was it interesting in terms of being able to see a little bit of the inner workings as to what's actually going on, build up a bit of a picture that way? Yeah, I do think that is quite interesting to see. And that's sort of, I suppose, all you could really expect from something like this, and, and that's that's what we got. So worth bearing that in mind. And it's also worth kind of keeping in, in the back pocket to see how the the next batch of legislation is is affected by the things that come up in these hearings. So, for example, you know, the people who actually are, are in charge of putting together legislation um, will react to these hearings. And, and people who are on the inside, you know, who are considering perhaps coming forward with information will see these hearings and react to them as well. So it's not just us who are on the outside looking in. It's also people on the inside looking out that are going to be seeing these hearings and reacting to them accordingly. And, and that's what we saw last year. The sort of wriggle out attempts to cooperate with the legislation you know and and the the non-cooperation that was that was going on caused a significant beefing up of of the language in in the the following legislation and i think this will probably trigger similar things to happen again also worth um bearing in mind that according to what came out in the hearing uh, currently, uh, the the Arrow office is still reporting to the OUSDI, which is actually Luella Zondo's old office, which have been notorious for um, being very difficult in terms of uh, the UFO topic. And, and there was supposedly a change in the works there, uh, but currently that change has not carried on and or has not has not taken place yet. And I think so far there's been precious little you know in terms of anything going on really it very much came across to me as though everything's still in the very early stages they're still sort of getting it off the ground and and that kind of thing which is basically not good enough you know at the end this is people's jobs if they're not doing the jobs correctly somebody needs a bit of a telling off and uh, in my opinion there should be some telling offs going on behind the scenes and i think one thing about all this i was a bit I mean, there may be some some reasons for this which I might go into, but I was I was a little bit disappointed in in uh, Senator Gillibrand's kind of uh, you know lenience, I suppose you could say. She, she, I've been sort of predicting that if Gillibrand was asking the questions of somebody you know about this topic, that we would see some feet being held to the fire. Don't think we necessarily saw that, but I might come back to that in a little bit. There could be some reasons as to why that is. And I suppose another interesting nugget that came out as well was a video, which if you're interested in this topic, you've probably seen it going around already. Uh, a video which was presented of an object which looks very much like the Mosul orb, which was um, brought forward by Jeremy Corbell and George Knapp recently as a still image. Now, this one is actually not a still image. It's a video but it looks very similar to the same type of object. Now, obviously, all of the various debunkers have already come out with their explanations of it being a balloon, it's a parallax type of thing, and all the rest of it. it I'll, I'll be honest, the video is not something that I've looked into too much in terms of the analysis of it. I think it looks quite interesting. Is it a steel ball, like a you know some kind of metallic you know object moving on under its own propulsion? Is it a misidentification? At this point, I just don't know. Is it intriguing? Yes. Is it something positive that we can say from this hearing? I think, you know, it could be. Just worth pointing out that it's not actually the same 
um, object as the one that Jeremy Corbell brought forward with the Mosul Orb. Uh, Jeremy Corbell has actually uh, been on, on Twitter recently and actually confirmed that it is, it's not the same object. It's not the stills that Jeremy Corbell had released were from a different video. But it's also quite interesting to consider that the objects and the videos that have been presented in hearings so far are very, almost like a reaction to the videos that Jeremy Corbell has brought forward. Now, what does that mean? I don't know. But there seems to have been quite a lot of, um, you know, a reaction to what Jeremy Corbell was brought forward. Now, take that for what you will, but I did think it was quite an interesting point. In the last hearing, they brought up the triangle, the green triangle video that was a Jeremy Corbell uh, leaked release. And in this video, they brought up an object which looks very, very similar to the Mosul Orb, which was another Jeremy Corbell uh, release. So hopefully Jeremy Corbell brings out another video soon, and then that'll appear in the next hearing. <laughs> but we'll see how it goes. Now then, in terms of the cases and the data that they do have access to, Kirkpatrick said, quote, for the few cases in all domains, space, air, and sea, that do demonstrate potentially anomalous characteristics, Arrow exists to help the DOD, IC, and interagency resolve these anomalous cases. Arrow is approaching these cases with the highest level of objectivity and analytic rigor. This includes physically testing and employing modeling and simulation to validate our analyses and underlying theories and peer reviewing those results within the US government, industry partners and appropriately cleared academic institutions before reaching any conclusions, unquote. Now, as pointed out by the debrief, again, um, Kirkpatrick didn't say if we ever come across cases that may demonstrate anomalous characteristics. But rather, he actually does say, for the few cases in our domains that do demonstrate potentially anomalous characteristics. Now, this doesn't confirm exactly that the cases that are in this small batch are anomalous, at least not yet, but it does appear to convey that a small portion of Arrow's current data set have been flagged for potentially having such unique characteristics. In other words, they do exist and they appear to remain unresolved. So that's from an article, very interesting article on the debrief, breaking down some, some things that people may um, uh, want to check out about the hearing. But it's a similar point to what I was saying earlier on. These, these sentences are very carefully worded, but you can pick up on little bits and bobs. And another thing that I thought was quite interesting in terms of a bit or a bob, as, as it were, um, was that one of the things that Kirkpatrick said was that they've basically been discussing like if they came across something that was indicative of you know non-human life that they have they would be liaising with nasa to to actually bring that information forward and whatnot and essentially going into a bit about what would happen if they found something non-human proof of you know non-human technology or whatever it might be and the thing is i found that quite interesting as well and if you think about it they're in such early stages of actually setting up this arrow office 
it's very early doors, you know, just about kind of getting stuff going, you know, people aren't being cooperative, we've only just really set ourselves up, and, but yet they've still already had that discussion as to how they would actually bring anything out if they found non-human life. So that I thought was an interesting point as well. It's another one of those little minor things, but it is interesting nonetheless. Now, quickly going back to Senator Gillibrand, I think it's safe to say that she was a bit more reserved than many had expected. Uh, I'd predicted a grilling, as I said earlier, you know, that didn't materialise. But I, I think that there could be a few different reasons for that. So just going back to that point, as promised. So reason number one, she could be well aware that the Arrow Office is still kind of just about getting on its feet. You know, can you really roast the director of an office who's only just got started? Now, again, you know, I don't sort of like to make excuses because this is people's jobs. There's a genuine interest here from the public. But, you know, in future hearings, perhaps there would be a little bit less of a leg to stand on for Kirkpatrick. But this one, perhaps one of the reasons that, that Senator Gillibrand didn't really lay into him is because there is that kind of thing of, oh, wow, we've only just got set up, blah, blah, blah. Perhaps she's reserving the fire for down the line basically, to put it simply. A second reason for this could be that there could have been some good reasons given in the closed hearing, which took place before the open hearing, that could have potentially explained why there's been limited progress. Now, again, I don't like that to, to, you know, to give him too much there, but it is a possibility, I suppose. And the third reason, perhaps my favourite of the three, is that perhaps... Senator Gillibrand could actually be allowing Kirkpatrick to sort of set out his stall, as it were. If Gillibrand was aware of something else coming along, you know, perhaps progress behind the scenes, maybe she'd allow Kirkpatrick to kind of set out his stall, you know, lay his cards on the table, knowing that it might come back to bite him on the rear end down the line. I don't know, but it is a possibility. And as with all of these things, only time will tell, of course, and we'll see how it all plays out. But, you know, the the balls set in motion from this hearing will roll. And we'll see where they end up. You know, the word on the grapevine is that things are moving. You know, big things are moving. And if if that were the case, what would a frustrating experience like this hearing do to influence things already in motion behind the scenes well you know i'd suggest that perhaps timelines for things happening could be cut considerably people who were considering perhaps coming out with information on these crash retrieval programs or legacy programs you know they'll be watching developments with a keen interest just like we in the ufo community are and who knows what's going to happen in that regard but again, if you're waiting, you're, you're, you're perhaps advanced in years and you've got information on one of these legacy programs and you, you sat there patiently waiting for Arrow to set up their secure system for, for you to come forward or you know perhaps you're not advanced in years and you're still currently working on one of these programs and, and similarly looking to come forward. And you get, you'd see things like this developing and you would become frustrated and, you know, the, the knock-on effect of this kind of th this these hearings, you know, it doesn't just affect us on the outside. As I said earlier, it affects those on the inside as well. So that could potentially have an impact there. And moving along from that, John Ramirez 
um, a CIA veteran, a very long and storied career working for the CIA, very well up on, on how things work on the inside within the intelligence community, of course, and somebody that I've spoken about on the show in the past. So John has said recently in an interview that disclosure will not be coming via a hearing or any official standing at a podium, but people that he knows and has spoken to are saying that disclosure is coming via a big event in a matter of months, not years. And of course, there have been a few other insiders as well recently talking about, again, we're talking about anonymous accounts on Twitter, so take this for what you will. You know, take it with a pinch of salt, take it with a big scattering of salt, or completely cover it in salt, you know, whatever you think salt-wise would be appropriate. But some of the anonymous accounts on Twitter who claim to be intelligence insiders have also said that by the end of 2023, the public's perception of this topic will be very, very different. It'll be completely, the game will be changed, as it were. So you add this to all the various recommendations to buckle up, etc. And to, you know, to, to watch out for what's coming, something huge is coming and all the rest of it. Let's see what happens, eh? There's still plenty that can happen this year. And as, as I keep talking about, I'm very interested to revisit these predictions when it comes to the Christmas, you know, round table that we do at the end of the year and see how it all played out, you know. Um, but for now... I'm going to have to leave it there. That is my thoughts on the hearing and, you know, what it sort of means and reading between the lines a little bit about what was said. So I'm uh, going to be back doing the round table. I think we're actually recording that tomorrow and it'll be going out uh, at the end of the week. And there's a couple of really interesting interviews that I've got booked as well coming up over the next couple of weeks, which hopefully folks will enjoy i'm going to be jumping back on perhaps do a little bit more of a discussion about uh, the hearings as well with some guests and uh, about about the hearing should i say and uh, thinking ahead a little bit more as well and uh, i'm hoping to see uh, a few listeners perhaps at the ufo identified event which is going to be taking place in october as well there'll be plenty more information on that as you go along uh, but ufoidentified.co.uk you can get your ticket if you are in the in the uh, northwest of the UK you can get your tickets for that um anytime anytime now i think they've still got their early bird offers on 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 the uh, on the website there and uh, don't forget you can support the podcast on patreon ufo thinker uh, patreon.com forward slash ufo thinker and it's very very much appreciated for all those who already do support on patreon uh, as you'll know i if you ever leave a message on there i always get back to people and we have little chats and things and discussions about the episodes and you get early access if you support on patreon it's like a couple of pounds a month um, and uh, you can get early access to episodes. They usually go up there two, three days early every week, so you can get the episodes before everybody else does, and it really helps us to pay all the various costs associated with the podcast and that kind of thing. I really appreciate the support. So I'm going to leave it there for now, um, and uh, I shall be back very soon. I hope everybody's doing well out there in, in the, the rest of the world, and uh, till next time, take it easy, stay curious. I'll catch you in the next episode. You are so podcast. podcast.